I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. What's good, Internet? You're listening to episode 132 of the Syrupcast. We're recording this week's episode on Thursday, August 3rd. The Syrupcast is a podcast devoted to fostering an intelligent and fun discussion related to the Canadian tech and telecom ecosystem. I'm your host, Igor Bonifacic, and this week I'm joined by Mobile Syrup Senior Editor and Nintendo Switch Reporter, Patrick O'Rourke. How are you, Igor? I'm good. Welcome back, sir. Thank you. I, I, I pulled myself away from Splatoon long enough to, to do the pod. And also golf. Golf. Yeah, well, I didn't really play golf. I was just there walking around. Mm-hmm. We also have uh, Mobile Syrup Senior Reporter, Rose Bihar. Hey, hey. Welcome back as well. What's good? Thank you. Yeah, the band's back together. Mm -hmm. Lastly, we have We Are Variable's founder, uh, Super Ventures partner, and friend of the podcast, Tom Emmerich. Tom, welcome back to Canada. Thank you so much. I was going to send my VR avatar, but I came here in real life. So that would have been very apt. (laughs) He would have been much cuter. (laughs) (laughs) Not possible. Not possible. No. Uh, This week, we're talking about, well, I should preface this by saying uh, Rose last week was not here because she was in um, San Francisco to check out the Zenfone AR. This is their upcoming Project Tango smartphone. Um, And we thought that'd be a great opportunity, one, to talk about uh, AR VR because that is, you know, an AR focused phone. But also we got Tom because he is a master and a know-it-all. An expert. Expert on all things AR. Um, we'll be then comparing and contrasting it with uh, AR kits, which is Apple's implementation, and we'll go from there. Um, so, Rose, why don't you start us off? Just set the scene. What was it like in San Francisco? What is the Zenfone AR? Should people be excited? Um, so, I touched down in San Francisco, went to this little gallery that they had set up for the Asus Zenfone AR. Um, event which was kind of interesting because you know people had already seen the phone at ces and other there was another moment too there's another event so it was not really new for most people uh, apart Mm -hmm. from me because i hadn't used it yet and i'm a big asus fangirl as you well know i Mm -hmm. love the zen phones and uh so i was really excited about this zen phone ar and when i talked to uh the the communications director randall grilly he was saying that you know asus is all about purpose-built hardware so it really sort of works out for them that this is a phone that's just dedicated to ar like the um zen phone 3 zoom is dedicated to photography hmm. and uh, i got to test it out quite a bit um it was very light unlike i think it was you know almost it, it was very very much lighter than the fab 2 pro greatest phone small. ever made and it did not sort of feel like a behemoth at all. It felt very comfortable in the hand, has a leather back, kind of like the LG G4, mm-hmm. <laughs> kind of harkening back to that time. And I tried out a bunch of different demos. There were the normal ones, um, putting furniture in locations. Mm-hmm. Uh, There's an educational one where you got to see the, the solar um, system. 
and kind of in uh, comparable like uh, spacing from like each planet was spaced from the next one relevant to like actually how far away it was. So like Pluto was in the bathroom and, you know, like the earth was closer. Mm-hmm. Um, Uranus wasn't in the bathroom. <laughs> no, for some reason. <laughs> and I also got to check out this game where it was a you, you sort of stretch back a slingshot and you tried to topple some blocks. Um, but I think what was kind of interesting was with all these things was that nobody really knew how to use them. I think like the format for how we use mobile AR is not really set in stone yet. Mm -hmm. So every time somebody was like trying to use it and I was trying to use it, it was like a real learning. Like it was a, it was a while before we actually picked up on, okay, this is how you play this game or this is how you do that. Mm -hmm. And the the developers were there and they're like, this is clearly, it's obvious you just do this. Was was some of that because it was like a hands-on thing? Yeah. 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 Yeah, but it, it nobody's really um, tested out a lot of these games before, apart from like Pokemon Go. So it's still well, and solar systems and dinosaurs are kind yeah. of like you know the hello world of augmented reality. <laughs> right. uh, it's been done with every platform. Yeah. I'm wondering how the phone felt in your hand because the thing with mm. augmented reality is that you have to hold your phone up yeah. in, in almost a an unnatural way that we we're not used to with our phones right now. Right. So that's why I was glad that it was pretty light. It's 170 grams, which is kind of even comparable to, I think the Google pixel XL. Um, and so it was, it was pretty light. Um, and it felt fairly comfortable in the hand. It's a 5.7 inch display. So not, um, as big as the fab two pro, but, but still a fairly decent sized screen. Um, it did get really hot after a while but um at the time that i started like i was working with all these different hands-ons it had already been on for about like an hour so i kind of could get it and it was it was still responsive like it wasn't there was not really any lag showing so i thought it performed well and i was like okay i guess i understand why it's getting super molten hot after (laughs) an hour (laughs) but i mean that's gonna be an issue yeah for sure that's Mm -hmm. gonna limit how long you're gonna want to play with it it's also daydream certified too right and it's daydream certified so it's the i think that's the first device ever to be daydream and google yeah of course it would be google uh, daydream and uh, tango certified at the same time some people say it's a little ugly on the back the camera setup is got kind of a almost a buckle look to it um, which, like, yeah, it kind of looks like a pilgrim's foot or something. It actually kind of <laughs> looks like a like a raw component, like a almost yeah. a, an alpha device. Yeah. They forgot to finish that part, yeah. you know. So, mm-hmm. and if you look at the Fab Two Pro, it actually is a lot more of a sleek device. Um, it's a lot more beautiful. It's kind of lined up down the middle. Um, so there's there's probably ways that they could have done that better. It but, reminds me of the G5 almost in yeah. the way that it looks like it's not yeah finished so with (laughs) ar the screen size is really important right right? so now that you've you've used both Mm -hmm. do you feel like you need a a fab two size screen to really really feel the immersiveness of ar or was it okay on on this one i think i think you know a bigger screen is more desirable what can you say you just want a larger field of view when i was using the ar phone uh the zenfone ar it it was frustrating sometimes when you'd see these really cool visuals and you were just like, I want to be more in that world. I feel like I'm still being held back. So, I mean, I think even though I don't love big phones because I got small hands, it's um, 
it would be better for an augmented reality experience for sure. And I think we're just going to battle that uh, for the next couple of years as we use mobile Mm -hmm. and tablets for AR. I think this period is more a window into this new world and we're not Mm -hmm. able to actually enter it fully until the headsets come. And so that's going to be a challenge. And the developers and designers, they need to work with that. And so for HoloLens, for example, the HoloLens that has like a 35 uh, field of view, the designers and developers that build games for that field of view are the ones that are successful. So that's an important thing for the developer community to understand. Mm -hmm. Um, Tom, you had a really great, uh, in kind of the pre-show when we were talking, you mentioned uh, you had a great metaphor, which was, these are kind of like the monocles. Yes, exactly. Uh, so do you want to kind of expand on that? Yeah, well, just... I mean, you know, I, I was trying to think about uh, glassware because that's the another journey we're following alongside the technology journey. And mm-hmm. right now uh, with ARKit and Tango, uh, we have these devices that we put in our pocket and then we bring to our face. And what is like that? Well, that's like the Victorian era mm-hmm. monocle. And in, in a way, we, we've created these AR monocles that are just going to give us glimpses um, into better vision, better vision, meaning this digital vision, this digital reality. Uh, and it's going to cause us to get really excited about it and hopefully eventually um, create the demand for us to want to have, you know, binocular uh, devices, headset mm-hmm. devices. So this is an important baby step right now in our AR future. We need to have the consumers um, really um, understand and be educated right. and inspired and excited and it kind of started a little bit with Snapchat, right. uh, which is, you know, the, the largest consumer AR app out there. Uh, and ARKit and Tango devices are going to continue to build on that. But at one point, we're going to say to each other, my arm hurts. Like, mm. it really hurts. <laughs> or my, my my hand's on fire, whatever it might be. Yeah, totally. yeah. And so then you're going to say, like, like, where are these glasses already? Because I mm. just need it. It's it's. You know, I always look at uh, the eyewear journey and r- right now people wear contacts because they can't even handle glasses because when they lie on the couch, the glasses get bent and eventually right. they get so annoyed. They say, fine, I'm getting contacts. Mm-hmm. And then eventually after contacts, they say, you know, I hate putting them in and out and they go for LASIK surgery. That's where right. I am right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, that is actually the journey we're on with wearables right, right. now. It's that monocle. Mm-hmm. The monocle then goes to the smart glasses. Mm-hmm. The smart glasses go to smart contact lenses. Right. And then scary. The Implants. cyborgs come. And then we get our implants, right? Yeah. I, that's a very natural journey we've seen with, you know, with dumb glasses, for lack of better words. It's going to be the same journey we're going to see with smart ones. Yeah. I can't wait for there to be AR hipsters who <laughs> forego the glasses and instead go back to the phone. Um, the kind of elephant in the room uh, in Rose's article is uh, AR kit. Uh, and it's something that mm. she asked Asus about. And they're, they were quite adamant in saying, like, it doesn't have the hardware What's your kind of take on that, on kind of the Project Tango ARKit divide? Um, is it as big as I think Google wants it to seem? Uh, well, I mean, the biggest thing with ARKit is that uh, with Apple uh, not having to require new hardware and making mm-hmm. this change on the uh, the operating system mm-hmm. um, and working with existing hardware that's out there because they have that control. That's a big thing to note is that they can mm-hmm. control both the hardware and the software at the same time. Not something that the Android um, ecosystem has yeah. at Google's no. um, fingertips. Yeah. And so it immediately allows, come September, for all um, all applicable you know, uh, iPhones to 
have uh, AR capabilities, which means there's scale. And that's the biggest thing. It's like 500 million devices yeah, or that's something crazy. like that, yeah. which that's is crazy. huge, right? And you know, we've already just talked in this podcast on how many Tango devices are out there because that's how easy it is to list them. There's yeah. two. And you, there's you, two. Can't, you can't even buy the, the Fab2 the Pro The first Canada, one right? was almost more of a test or an experiment than an actual like phone that they really bet on. Like the, it, it had a shaky rollout. They didn't sell many, and now I think it's actually out of production. So there, it really was, according to insiders, it was more of something that like people hacked together and then were like, okay, let's show it to the world. Uh, Tom, the question I have for you, and uh, it'd be great if you contribute as well, Pat and Rose. Um, you know, Sundar Pichai, anytime he gets on stage, one of his favorite sayings is at scale. Google likes to do this at scale or that at scale. And Project Tango seems to me like the most un-Google project uh, looked at through that lens. Why do you think they've chosen this approach as, a, as opposed to kind of trying this at-scale model that they're so fond of? Well, I mean, Tango uh, uses uh, a depth sensor as well, mm -hmm. right? And so that additional hardware layer does mm -hmm. enrich the augmented reality experience. And it's rumored mm -hmm. that there will be some sort of depth sensor on the iPhone 8 mm -hmm. um, when it comes out. Uh, and so it, it could be potential that uh, Google feels like this is the right way to do it, augmented yeah. reality. Mm -hmm. And so they've created a reference design. Tango's not a product. It's a reference design, right? Mm -hmm. It's a hardware software reference design yep. that they are showcasing to convince the OEMs to adopt on Android phones. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. and so far, the adoption has been slow. And we're, <laughs> yeah. we're just finally seeing, since I think it came out in 2014, devices right. that that weren't the Tango tablet, right? Mm -hmm. That was a developer yeah. tablet, finally starting to adopt it. So um, I, I wouldn't say that Tango is anywhere near at scale, mm -hmm. um, but you know, um, um, it is a very powerful reference design that mm -hmm. provides a really rich immersive experience akin to like a HoloLens in, in that way. Yeah, I, I think like, I think Tom's right that they they may just, you know, have that idea of like, let's do this right. And AR is not quite ready yet. And we need to like take it slowly and make sure the thing, everything is correct. And then also, I think that perhaps a lot of it is not really Google's choice. I mean, as with fragmentation in general with Android, like they need to get all of these manufacturers to sign on there with them and to uh, work on this. Perhaps they could be more per persuasive than they already right. have been, um, and that's probably true. But they—it's—it's it's no wonder that the the things are going more slowly. But with the fragmentation, you have two aspects, right? Yeah. One is that the camera needs to be calibrated, so mm -hmm. you need a—you need—you uh, need consolidation uh, and agreeance on the camera mm -hmm. uh, layer. And cameras are differentiators for all these OEMs. Totally. Mm -hmm. And then the second is even if they went down an AR kit road. Mm -hmm. um, they currently have a very slow to download and install operating system problem. Mm -hmm. And so every yeah. time they have an OS update, yeah. not everybody updates it. No. So mm -hmm. even if they came out with an AR kit, could it have the same reach mm -hmm. um, as iPhone when iPhone has a higher success rate yeah. of people updating Never. to iOS 11, yeah. for example? Yeah, I was just going to say that I think it's more out of necessity than, than choice. It's just the nature of how android oems create devices it's hard for them to get them in line to do one specific thing like you see it with daydream it's been out i don't know a year now maybe a little over a year and there's still only 10 devices that mm -hmm. support it which, yeah. is, which is a huge improvement over the last couple of months but um for the first little while there was almost 
it was only That's the right. pixel. And then it was just the pixel. Daydream had much less rigorous requirements. Yeah. And many of the phones that could have been Daydream certified took a very long time yeah. to become certified anyway. Mm-hmm. And Google's had a very similar code base as Apple's AR kit for a very long time. So the kind of the foundational layer of AR kit comes from a company called Flyby Media. Mm-hmm. And Flyby Media's um, AR uh, code was licensed to Google a long time ago. Oh, and recently, Flyby Media was bought by Apple. <laughs> and so uh, it is interesting that they haven't gone down that, as you mentioned, that scale mm-hmm. um, strategy. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it may just, again, come down to the fact that they believe that they want the best experience. But, you know, what Apple may have identified is that the the consumer doesn't need the best experience. They just right. need a good experience. That's Yeah. And that's the question I wanted to ask is, in this kind of battle between uh, ARKit and Project Tango, is it the good enough experience that wins it? I mean, have you guys yeah. used World Lens with Snapchat? I'm a World Lens. Which one is that? That's the one where you have your camera pointing out, not oh. on your face. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah. hot dog. Yes. You know the yeah, hot dog? The yes. hot dog. Yes. Yes. Guys, the hot dog went viral. He's so popular. Mm. And and that augmented reality uh, experience it mm-hmm. is not even as good as ARKit, but right. still people, people really like it. Yeah, and people. actually, when you put the hot dog on your t- on the table, on like a flat surface that can mm. be actually tracked properly, mm-hmm. he, he kind of stays in place just good enough that mm-hmm. you can go on top of him and around him. And he looks <laughs> like he's there. It's not a floating poke. Pokemon, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And so that's what I mean about the good enough. Snapchat's World Lens is good enough for the millennials. Yep. And mm-hmm. now we're getting ARKit, which is just, is, is even better uh, than what Snapchat has. Um, and if the iPhone 8 has a depth sensor and people uh, uh, start to adopt Tango devices because potentially they'll be you know rolled out, then we're going to have better and better AR uh, in our hands. But the fact that Snapchat's World Lens is successful and the hot dog was a big moment in AR, actually. <laughs> you know, yeah. Pokemon Go was a watershed moment, but. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. We all agree that Pokemon Go is like, you know, 2007 Mm -hmm. augmented reality. You can have that Pokemon floating wherever you want. But having that hot dog in specific scenarios videotaping it sending it out yeah. like people were getting uh tattoos of this hot dog oh yeah mm-hmm. i think it's funny too just how like silly little things like that can really push innovation and often it is those silly things right. that everybody mm-hmm. jumps well, on well remember the iphone it was app all store? about the fart it fart was app. the fart app this is going to <laughs> be true. you know mm-hmm. ar kit september yeah. 2017 mm-hmm. is fart ar <laughs> yeah <laughs> Yeah, I mean, that's kind of what you need to get people on board. People always talk about these kind of serious, like, life-saving uses of AR and stuff. And that is coming, but, you know, not as quickly as the hot dog and the farts. Well, for many people, (laughs) even Pokemon was, like, their first introduction to the concept of AR. Like, you say augmented reality to to someone who's not familiar with it. They're not going to know what it is. But then you say Pokemon Go, where where the Pokemon were in the real world. Then they know what you mean, right? right? So, yeah. People, People are bored with their phones they've been around now for 10 years for the most part iphone and they 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 want to do something new with it and that's why they're willing now to strap it on their face 
or to look through it. And you're right, Patrick, you know, uh, a lot of them don't know of the AR of, of yesteryears. And so being able to take a picture of Pokemon sitting on its toilet, you know what I mean, <laughs> was really exciting for them. And it so was. it's a whole new world. And, and so we're going to see more and more of that. Uh, speaking of strapping uh, a phone on your face, uh, Oculus recently cut the price of the Rift um, to five forty nine in Canada. That includes the touch controllers, um, and it was. I think it's to me anyway. It's interesting in so far as VR was always placed as, or it seemed anyway, that was kind of farther along uh, than AR, and yet we've se- kind of seen AR. Well. Tom, you're shaking shaking my head. So (laughs) lay it out on me. Why am I wrong? Guys, Snap, Snapchat, AR, Mm -hmm. biggest consumer rollout of augmented reality. Well, that's what I'm saying. So AR has surpassed VR. Okay. Yes. In that way. Yeah. Right. But I think like when the the big thing about AR, VR, the conversation that I always have with people is that they feel like AR isn't here yet because they're thinking about the AR headsets Mm -hmm. and they're trying to compare the AR headsets to VR. Um, and so, but I do, I agree with you in that, in that regards that in, mm. in terms of AR on mobile AR and tablet AR, it's, it's been around for a very long time. And actually with Google glasses return, I'm using air quotes, mm-hmm. we found out that actually there's been a lot of activity with AR headsets in the, in the enterprise commercial space. Yeah. yeah. Um, but no, what I want to really get at is why do you, it seems to me VR is kind of starting to sputter, um, in the sense that, you know, we've had such a slow uptake on daydream. Apple hasn't, they haven't done anything in the space, um, minus what they announced at um, uh, WWDC, which was, hey, you can use a Vive headset with a Mac now. Um, So I guess in relation to AR, what does the future of VR look like? Is it going to be supplanted completely by AR? Um, Does it have a resurgence at some point? Because it seems all very unclear, especially with, the kind of legal troubles that Oculus slash Facebook th- have had. I think it's going to be standalone headsets, but I've I've always thought that. I've always seen these tethered devices sort of a, as a stepping stone yeah. to eventual standalone headsets because I think that's the biggest yep. barrier for entry with VR. Like, no one wants to drop $1,000 on a device and then $1,000 on a computer. Mm-hmm. Um, and then another, what is it, like $200 for the touch controllers? Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, Facebook has infinite amounts of money. Um, I don't think they're concerned about... Uh, Oculus's success in, in in terms of where it is right now. Uh, maybe they are like a, a little bit, and that was part of the price drop. Um, but I, but I think the the long it, it's the long game. Like they're waiting for the tech to, to to catch up with the vision. They want standalone headsets. That's where I think VR is headed. Yeah, because I feel like it's also like people feel very vulnerable when they don't have a device that's accurately sensing what's around them. Yeah. And that is kind of an issue with VR that I've experienced. Well, I, there, there's stuff to get uh, around that, right? Like right. the the concierge, I think it's called concierge with, mm-hmm. with the Vive. Um, and Oculus has a similar thing. Um, and that, that solves the problem a little bit. But I mean, it, it, it scares me. Like I live in a tiny apartment. And yeah. when yeah. I set up the Oculus or the Rift, I end up punching my wall at least once. But that's once. why the, the mixed reality devices right. yes. from, yeah, from Microsoft using inside-out tracking is a critical move, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I think I mean, with what one of the Qualcomm VPs said that he thinks AR will uh, take over VR, but VR will sort of be consumed by AR. Like they'll, there will be a headset that can do both things, um, but AR will be the more common use case. Right. Yeah. 
Oh, I think eventually they're just going to merge. Yeah. And actually, mm-hmm. we're talking about the same thing, just kind of two right. sides of the coin. Totally. It, it, essentially, the big shift is spatial computing or 3D computing, the move from 2D to 3D. And mm-hmm. so a lot of the skills that are being learned by the developers and designers in VR are wholly applicable in AR and vice versa. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the challenges that are trying to be solved in AR are going to be helpful with VR and vice versa in terms of, you know, in terms of tracking, in terms of uh, mapping, things of that sort. Uh, but for the most part, we've seen VR, uh, you know, move along the game console journey. That's mm-hmm. that's where it's been for the most part outside of the enterprise. So in the consumer space, it's you know the evolution of, of PS4. It's uh, it's a it's a gaming device, and so it's done fairly well as a new format for a gaming device. To be quite honest, if you put it in that context, uh, but it's too expensive, and so that's why this announcement, Igor, that you you mentioned is mm-hmm. really important. The mm-hmm. price needs to drop, drop, drop. That's why the mixed reality devices from Microsoft are important. Yeah. Because they need to get really, really cheap for people to be able to get them under the tree for next Christmas. Yep. But the big driver of virtual reality is going to be location-based entertainment and the the new arcades that are being formed and the the reimagining of the movie theater, which mm-hmm. is to come, right, with IMAX behind um, the use of VR. Mm-hmm. I think that's where we're going to have most people ex- explore uh, virtual worlds. I, sorry. So all I was going to ask, uh, and you can build that into your response rose is is the future of vr more of kind of this communal thing where it is these arcades it is these theaters as opposed to something uh you do at home which would be it's kind of counterintuitive when you think about it because we think of vr as kind of an isolating Mm -hmm. experience and yet it could be this kind of new form of communal thing right yeah i mean that's that's what i was actually going to mention was i find that two like that people often have two different viewpoints or uh, sort of predictions of what the future will look like. And one is more like Ready Player One, Snow Crash, like we're all going to be completely isolated, but like sort of communicating through this digital world and experiencing things through this digital world. And then the other idea is the more AR-centric idea where it's like, well, we're more like cyborgs and we're kind of walking through the world and seeing little pop-ups and like having these kind of like this added intelligence built Mm -hmm, into mm -hmm. our experience. Um, But people argue very vehemently on both sides that like this, and I find obviously the, the more AR side is the more utopic vision where the like VR side is more dystopic. Like nobody really wants us to all be in separate rooms. Yeah. And I think it depends on how much you subscribe to the fact that we want to be here. Mm -hmm. And so uh, and it, it's kind of like a, a little bit of a like a scale, like, yeah. a, you know, going back and forth. And so, you know, if you keep layering on augmented reality at some point, you're going to be in virtual reality. Yeah. Uh, and so right. I think it's going to come down to use cases. When you watch a movie, you want to be immersed by that movie. That's a great VR use case. You know, when I watch a developer code, they, they literally want to be in their own cave. That's a great virtual reality mm. experience. Mm-hmm. So uh, th- but there's times where we're going to want to be here, you know, at the podcast and then have like some great notes in front of us to make us look <laughs> smart right. but still see each other that's an augmented reality use case yeah. right so that's what i mean i think i i don't think it's going to be as clear cut mm. but you know if we look at who we are right now as digital beings we're wholly consumed by instagram by facebook you know we're always on our computer and when we we go home we're on our tv 
And so there is, you know, a big chance that we may want to be more in a virtual world than we think we would totally. want to be. Yeah. So I don't think we should discount that. And that's not necessarily a bad thing because right now, you know, we're, we're doing it already, but we're actually more disconnected than ever. Mm-hmm. Virtual reality could let us do all this digital stuff. And, but be reconnected in new ways that we never thought. That would be amazing if it did actually allow us to kind of declutter in a sense. Mm-hmm. But I could I could so see just like getting a bunch of a row of notifications in front of my <laughs> eyes and just being like, oh, like. <laughs> well, that was uh, Google Glass. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It'd be like the Apple Watch, but worse because it's like on your face. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yeah. Uh, readers know that I already don't clear my notifications enough. Every time you take a photo, that's yeah. like the first comment. On yeah. The so, I mean, I I, uh, that, I wonder if you'll need to be a more organized person for this kind of like utopic vision of like being in the present, but with aided by technology. But I think that really is a challenge. The biggest mm-hmm. challenge now that we're starting to see the platforms come into play is what is email? What is communication? What is Word, PowerPoint? What are these 2D things that we've right. been using on a regular basis in a 3D world? You know, it's not going to be like a 3D inbox that I literally read letters. Right. You know, it can't be. There's just no way. So <laughs> be different. how do we communicate? You know, with, with mobile phones, we started with T9 mm-hmm. uh, and then we moved into SMS and then we have emoji. So, you know, with email, we, we had a whole new way to communicate that was different than letters. So, you know, what is going to be this new form of communication with AR and VR? That's yet to be determined. No one has cracked that yet. Right. Holograms. Mm-hmm. Holograms. <laughs> oh, that would be great. Right now, it's like, well, right now we are seeing holograms, yes. right, you know, right. talking to us. That's right. kind of the future. But can you imagine having to sit there and like listen to your hologram read each email to you? That like, would be so. Oh bizarre. my gosh! It's the hot dog. I'm just envisioning <laughs> the hot dog doing it. He just becomes a virtual assistant. <laughs> that would be awesome. Someone's gonna do that. Yeah. For Someone sure. will do it. Um, I'd love to talk some more about this, but we're short on time. So, uh, Tom, I. Feel like I forgot to mention this, but we usually have a shout out at the end of our podcast. Okay, um, we'll have Pat, myself, and Rose do it first, so that you can scrounge up one, okay. uh, and it can be anything. It can be a yeah. person, a, a book, book, a movie, whatever you want, or it can be a negative shout. It can be a gripe. Yes. Okay, I don't know why we call it shout out when you think about it. It's really just talking about something <laughs> random. Well, in the spirit of talking about something random. Please tell us about something about the Switch. I will. Um, so this week for my Switch Minutes, um, Nintendo solved a battery indicator problem with the console mm-hmm. where the battery would deplete rapidly even though the console was recently charged. And they solved that through a recent software update. So it's nice to see Nintendo sort of modernizing their practices to a certain extent and actually mm-hmm. rapidly releasing uh, various firmware updates for the greatest system ever released. <laughs> Okay, well, um, there were large mechanical beasts in Ottawa over the past weekend, and it was really badass. Um, There was a big uh, dragon horse. I thought it was a dragon at first, which I kind of like better, but it was actually... It's not a dragon? It was a dragon horse. What is a dragon horse? And in the most, like, it gets its wings at the end of the performance. So it's very, it was kind of a little bit artsy. Uh, There wasn't as much, like, kind of... um, uh, bashing of the robots together as I would have hoped. People but were, if <laughs> people were, I didn't mean to interrupt you. People no. were really mad about it. If, yeah. if you Google it, like really. people got really mad. They were about like, it. "This is not actually ro- robots fighting." Yeah, um, and it, it's not really like they're mechanical, but they're still controlled by people. It's by this French group called La Machine, 
Um, and there's also a giant spider, mechanical spider in it. But it looks so cool. The videos are very beautiful. I read an article where the Archbishop of Ottawa That's what I was, talking was apparently about. regretting his decisions in life <laughs> about this spider. Why? What was his... Uh, it, he, 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 apparently, like, the clergy was upset with him. <laughs> yeah. They're like, you know, mechanical oh. spider doesn't really... Oh, because it came out behind a church? Yeah, 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 yeah maybe yeah. there shouldn't be a giant mechanical spider breathing fire from, on our church. From a church. Yeah. This is an allegory for, Something. <laughs> for Rome. Um, my shout out goes to uh, David Shumin, I believe is how you pronounce his name. He's a Vancouver-based photographer, and I just discovered his books, and they are fantastic. Um, I'll include a link in the description for the one I'm reading right now, and it's been really great. Tom? What do you have for us? So my, my shout-out would go out to anything that's happening at Seagraph, which mm. is uh, a really amazing conference that is happening um, in L.A. Uh, mm -hmm. There's always a lot of experimental things that are happening on the tech side. Mm -hmm. And a company out of Boston called Neurable mm -hmm. uh, actually debuted the first BCI virtual reality device. And so mm -hmm. if you kind of Google it, it'll look really kind of sci-fi scary. Yeah. Uh, but That's their whole cool. idea is to start to bring in thought data or, or allow for brain-computer interface to be merged with virtual reality so that the developers can actually create content that is influenced by your mind. And they give an example of, you know, Star Wars, where you need to really get into that mindset, find your calm, you know, mm -hmm. channel Yoda to mm -hmm. be able to um, use the force. Mm -hmm. uh, and so imagine being able to have a device uh, read read wow. your mind in That'd a way so cool. and use that That's as cool. part of the input for a game wow. so shout out to neurable for creating the first bci vr device whoa that's really neat tom it's been an absolute pleasure please yeah, come back great. to canada more often i'm sending the hot dog in lieu of me for this <laughs> one. okay okay um rose where can people find us oh they can find us at mobile syrup on all our various social media platforms from youtube to twitter to facebook and Google Plus. And Google Plus. Oh. I mean, we still have a large following on Google Plus. So find us there. Keep it alive. The graveyard of Google Plus. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Tom, where can people find you? Uh, best place to find me is on Twitter at Tom Emmerich. Mm -hmm. Where you're tweeting many excellent pictures. Yes, exactly. Pat, where can people find you? You can find me on Twitter at, at Patrick underscore O'Rourke. And I personally am at Rose Bahar. And I'm at Igor Bonifacic. Uh, thank, yeah, you questions, want, questions, questions. Thank you for reminding me. If you got questions you'd like to submit to Mobile Syrup, you can do so by emailing podcast at mobilesyrup.com. Sometimes we have special guests in which we'll, you know, put post on the site ahead of time uh, asking for questions. Please bear in mind, try to read my posts just so that you know who we're interviewing. Uh, <laughs> so we don't have a situation where we're talking about the CRTC chairman, but you think we're <laughs> interviewing the CRTC chairman. Uh, so, <laughs> but, but maybe the CRTC chairman should come on now. He, he should. should. It's uh, just a hard get. They're, they're really busy. They're very uh, famous. Someone's doing something outside. But anyway, um, if you want to help us start a GoFundMe campaign to get the CRTC chairman. I'm not sure what money would help in getting this interview. Ooh, what would but the money do? He, <laughs> was, he was a former lobbyist, so he'll, he'll respond to lobbying. So if yes, lobby help us him. lobby him to come on to the CRB cast. On that note, listeners, thank you so much for listening. Have an amazing long weekend and we'll see you on the other side. <laughs>